0: Hello, and welcome to the Thrive Online podcast. This is our sermon series podcast, and I wanted to thank you for joining us today. As we get going, I wanted to say that whether you are tuning in today from the car, the gym, or even your work or home, we pray that today's message inspires you and that it gives you hope and builds your faith. So let's lean in, turn up the volume, and get excited as we get ready to learn today. Well, it is so good to be together once again this morning. Uh, if you're new to Thrive, if this is when you're first or your second time here, you still kind of consider yourself a visitor, I just want to say thank you for being here. Uh, here's the thing. Your presence means so much because it means that you, uh, you, you kind of stepped out with some courage to come to a new place. And, and whenever I'm in a new place, uh, especially when I know there's other people around and there's kind of a philosophy of, of things, I kind of want to know what that place is all about. And so to kind of help those of you who might be here for the first or second time out, um, I just want to share with you kind of what we're all about. Um, and so here's where I want to start. We, we say this every single week. I say this from the, the platform every week because I want us to always be reminded of this, that we are imperfect people becoming the church on the mission with Jesus to bring hope and healing to the world. We're imperfect people. Now, are we are we made right in, in the sight of God when we give our hearts to Jesus? Absolutely. Do we like just live in that imperfection? No, we want to continue to be more like Christ. That's what maturing is. But when we come to the table, we are all imperfect, which means we're still going to make mistakes. And, and one of the things about churches is that we, you know, because we are people, sometimes we don't always live out the fruits of the Spirit. But here's what we, we, wanna, we really want to focus on here as a church. We want to focus on the fact that when we do make mistakes, we humbly come and ask for forgiveness, that we acknowledge that we made a mistake, that we acknowledge that we're not perfect. And on the flip side of that, when we see that someone's made a mistake and they humbly come, they ask for forgiveness, they say, hey man, I missed the mark on that. I'm really sorry when I said that thing or I did that thing and I know it hurt you. Man, will you forgive me? We offer grace because it could have very well been us. Amen? So that's who we are as a church, and so if you are uh, visiting, um, my hope is this, that you feel a sense of belonging as you observe and you engage with your time here today, and uh, that you would just do us a favor and join us for the next several weeks to see if this this kind of vision, this mission statement that I just shared with you, really is who we are. That you would feel a sense of belonging, that, that people around you would start to feel like family, and that Thrive would begin to feel like home. Now I'm excited today because we're continuing our series called Kingdom parables, and parables are basically kind of these uh, spiritual stories that help teach a lesson to us. They're very simple stories. They're oftentimes um, stories that relate to the everyday life, and Jesus loved to tell parables. In fact, oftentimes when he was teaching to uh, the people, the crowds, he would use parables, and then later, he would go and explain the parables to the disciples so that when they went on the mission, when he sent them on the mission, they would have the same tools, the same parables to use to share with others to help teach these kingdom principles. And so today, what we're going to do is um, we're kind of been in like a mini-series in here, and we're looking at Luke chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 15. If you didn't bring your Bibles, it'll be on the Sky Bible behind us here in just a few moments. Um, but we're looking at Luke chapter 15, and Jesus uses three... Stories, three parables, to kind of tell the same thing, to kind of teach the same thing. And whenever there's repetition in Scripture, we have to understand that it's really important, it's something that, that is, is really important for us to understand. And Jesus tells three stories that all kind of have the same theme and structure. Last week, we talked about the woman who lost a coin. And initially, I was going to talk about the, the prodigal son today, but I thought that might be a good story for Father's Day. And so we're actually going to jump backwards in Luke 15 and look at the first parable in this kind of series and look at the parable of the lost sheep but before we do that I w- I'm going to read from Luke chapter 19 verse 10 because this really is the summary Luke kind of gives us the summary of Jesus' mission here on this earth he simply says this for the son of man came to do what seek and save those who are lost you can't really find a mission statement more clear than that right Very simple, very clear, very concise. Jesus came to this earth from his place in heaven to seek and to save those who are lost. And do what with them? To condemn them? No. (laughs) To harass them, to tell them how dumb they are for getting lost? Did he come to just leave them where they are, or did he come to save them, to restore them? He came to seek them out, to find them, to save them. He came so that anyone, that everyone who was lost would find hope in him. There'd be no reason for anyone to stay lost. So will you join me as I pray over time together and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us and challenge each of us this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? Holy Spirit, we, we recognize this, that you are already speaking to our hearts. We recognize that you want to teach us something more about the heart of God. And so right now, as you speak to those in whom you dwell, would you give us a sense of urgency, a sense of anticipation that you are going to teach us something more about how we can be like Jesus? Today, as we dive into another of Jesus's parables about the lost, will you prompt us? Will you challenge us? Will you help us to have our eyes open and our ears willing to listen? And that you give us the courage to have uncompromising obedience to whatever it is you ask of us to do today in response to what we hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I have to start off today by um, just confessing something to you, if that's okay. I just need to confess something to you, and get something off my chest. Um, I've always been told, or I, I believe that I've always kind of understood that sheep are dumb, I grew up kind of just thinking sheep were dumb because I heard that so many times growing up, even in the church. In fact, in fact, I heard it so much in the church that I actually said something about it last week, that sheep are dumb and that we kind of just, you know, they just kind of wander off and do all kinds of stuff. But as I've been studying for this week and I've been looking at um, just kind of getting some, some research, because I don't know a lot about sheep, right? I, I know they do, like, some basic things, right? They eat, they sleep, they get moved around, and then they, they do other things, right? Like the... And, and so, like, I don't know how to take care of a sheep. I was never an FFA. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. So I had to do my own research, and what I found was this, that, that I need to apologize. I need to apologize to anyone who has raised sheep, who knows sheep, who's a sheep keeper or a sheep rancher. I need to offer my sincere apologies because I was wrong about sheep. I was wrong about sheep. And now you might be wondering, I didn't come. Uh, how did you come to this revelation? Well, I, I, as I was reading and as I was doing the Google... As we do sometimes when we're trying to find information. Um, I found this. I, I asked the question, why do sheep wander? We're doing this, this passage about the sheep that was lost, and so I was like, well, why do sheep wander off? I assumed, going into it, that it was just going to say, because they're dumb. Right? <laughs> right? That's what I assumed. I assumed that it was just going to say, sheep wander off because they're just dumb animals. However, That search led me to a blog written by a sheep rancher who has actual boots on the ground, actual knowledge of the intelligence of sheep. And this blog uh, mentioned a study that was done on sheep. Like, there's actually people who get paid to do studies on sheep, right? And 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 so they did this whole study on these sheep, and what they found was that sheep are, are actually very intelligent animals. They have very deep social and cognitive intelligence that, that sheep are capable of developing deep bonds with one another, that they stick by each other and look out for each other. In fact, when, when a sheep loses a friend, it grieves for that friend. Well, the other thing it said was that sheep have incredible memories, they are, they're able to remember up to 50 individuals. I challenged many of you that maybe have been here for a long time to look around this room and ask yourself Do I know 50 people in this room? Do I remember all their names? Right? Like, 50 individuals. It could be human. It could be other sheep. It has the ability to remember and to, like, have a, a, a connection to them. Sheep also can solve puzzles. In fact, they can find, they can like, find their way through a maze. I struggle doing that. Right? Have you ever done a corn maze before? Corn's, like, you know, eight feet tall, and you're trying to get through it. That is, that is a challenge. Right? Obviously, I made it out. <laughs> I'm here. But, um... It was still hard, and if it wasn't for Megan, I probably wouldn't have. <laughs> okay. Sheep are also nearly as intelligent as dogs. Now, we know dogs can do amazing things. God, dogs can find drugs. Dogs can, uh, you know, jump long distances. Dogs can do all kinds of things. Sheep are actually nearly as intelligent. You can actually teach a sheep to sit, to lie down, to roll over. You can teach sheep almost anything you can teach a dog. Now, most of us wouldn't call dogs. Dumb. Now, some of them are a little, (laughs) Labradors are a little less sharp than, say, um, doodles, right? You know what I mean? Like, but sheep are actually not dumb. They're actually very intelligent. So it begs the question, if sheep are so intelligent, why do they seem so dumb? Why do they have this stereotype of ignorance? I want you to hang on to that question, and we're going to answer that in just a moment. Because I know not all of you came here this morning expecting a lesson on sheep, but it just so happens that this parable that we're going to be talking about today is one that involves a comparison that Jesus makes of us, humans, being like sheep. So let's read the passage and then dig into how we can apply this kingdom parable about sheep to our own lives. We're in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1. You can read along in your Bibles or follow on the screen behind me. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that was lost until he finds it? And he goes on to talk about that when he finds this sheep, they celebrate and, and that, that, that we, uh, that, that, that all of heaven celebrates with us when one lost person is found. But I want us to dig into this. Let's break this down for a moment. Jesus is addressing the accusation of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Their complaint is that he is associating with these notorious sinners, these people that are known sinners, people who are unrighteous, people who are not as clean and as good and as smart as them. They're complaining. And in the parable, there's kind of four key components. There is a shepherd, that's Jesus. He has sheep, 99, there's the, the 99 that are safe. We might call those people who have a relationship with God, a genuine relationship with him. There's one sheep, a sinner, that goes missing, wandering off from the flock, and then there's the shepherd who searches for the one lost sheep and finds it. And then what happens? In every single one of these parables, the same thing happens. Everyone celebrates. They celebrate the lost sheep being found. This seems like a pretty straightforward story, doesn't it? To the shepherd, a, a sheep has a long-lasting value, right? They, they can have sheep that they, they can get wool from, meat, right? They, the sheep are a commodity to them, very valuable to them, something that is long-lasting that would help them help them uh, survive in the world. A shepherd would not want to lose a single one of his sheep if he could avoid it. The shepherd understood a lone lost lamb was far more in danger than the 99 sheep who were all together. A shepherd did the logical thing by going to search for the one lost sheep. So let's imagine something. Let's imagine that we are Pharisees. I know we're not, but let's pretend like we are, okay? So, like, close your eyes. Picture the robe. Picture, like, standing very, very straight, like there's, like a, like, a rod on your back, and, and like, like, you're walking through the crowd like this. Like, that's how I picture Pharisees, okay? So maybe you picture that. Pretend like we are all Pharisees right now. We would likely be nodding our heads along with the story that Jesus is telling because what he is saying is very logical. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh-huh, yep, mm-hmm. Yeah, the shepherd would go after the one because there's a reason for that and there's a value to that. And so, yeah, that makes sense. Now, what's the point? And the reality is, is that these Pharisees, if we are acting as Pharisees ourselves, is we would probably very likely put ourselves in the category of the 99. Right? As Pharisees, we would probably be like, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, I'm looking at them. I'm looking at the ones that are lost, and I'm not in that group. I'm in the 99. I'm, I'm in the safe group. I'm in the good group. We would see ourselves as wise and safe, and that we would likely see tax collectors, notorious sinners, people in our culture who we, we, we would recognize, and we would say, those are the sinners. And we would separate ourselves from them and be like, yeah, they're the lost ones. They're the ones that need the real help. Here's the thing, though. Jesus knew who he was talking to. These Pharisees, these teachers of the law, had studied the Torah. They had studied the the inspired words of God. The Pentateuch, the the prophecies, the wisdom books, they had studied all of them. They would have them memorized. And they would understand that, that there was a connection let's continue to pretend like we're Pharisees. And there's a good chance that while we were nodding our heads to this story of like, yeah, this makes sense, we would also be in our minds accessing our brains and our memory. We'd begin to access something that we knew was to be true. we, We would access this prophecy that was spoken in Isaiah. We'd begin to think, and we'd probably be looking around at other Pharisees and teachers of the law to see if they made the connection as well. Because here's what it says in Isaiah 53:6. It says, All of us, everybody say all. all. How many? All. all of us like sheep. Okay. So immediately, if we we're Pharisees, we're remembering this. All of us like sheep. He just talked about sheep being lost, and now he's saying, All of us like sheep. Okay. Jesus, this was spoken about him as the Messiah. All of us like sheep have done what? You see the parallels? All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet, the Lord laid on him, that's Jesus, the Messiah, the one who's speaking to them, the one who just shared this parable with them about the lost sheep and the shepherd, laid on him the iniquity, the judgment for our sins. These Pharisees are now confronted with the fact that as good as they are, as much as they know, they are a lost sheep. Jesus is, is trying to pull back some things for them, trying to help them understand. As pretend Pharisees and teachers of the law, we would like to claim that we are part of the 99. However, if we believe that God's word is true, like these Pharisees believed the Torah was true, we would be forced to reconcile that we were also the one. We were also the one. I love that, that Paul, who was a Pharisee himself, who, who at one point said, hey, if anybody has anything to boast about, I have more, right? And he goes through his list of accomplishments and he says, I was a Pharisee among Pharisees. Like I was, like if, if those people followed the law, I followed it even more until he encountered Jesus on a road and Jesus corrected his path And this is what Paul says. He made the connection between those two things, this idea that we are all sinners. He says, for everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We all fall short. What Jesus is trying to tell us in this simple story about sheep is this, that we are all sinners needing to be saved.
1: We are all sinners that need to
0: be saved. Or, in other words, we have all been sheep who have wandered and been lost. And some of us, some of us in this room, have been fortunate enough to encounter God in such a powerful way, in such a real way, that we have turned away from that life and and we've received the, the, the rescue that He came. It wasn't us finding Him. Sheep cannot find themselves, they cannot get themselves unlost. It took a shepherd to come. And rescue them. And it took a shepherd to come and rescue you. And so there are some of us in this room who've received that rescue. Glory to God. Amen? But we have to remember that it wasn't always that way for us. So that none of us should think that we have been saved by his grace. If we've been saved by his grace, that we are better than anyone else. Let's not ever think that we are better than Than anyone else simply because we've been found and there and Jesus is still seeking after those who are lost. He's still pursuing those who seem like they have no hope. If you're here today and you've confessed Jesus as Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you've been saved by God's grace through faith in his sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, paying for our debt to sin, if you call yourself a disciple of Jesus, you may be a part of the flock A part of the family of God, but you need to always remember you were once the one who wandered off in need of rescue. And maybe, like me, you've read this passage in the past, and because you've heard people say that sheep are dumb, you assume that the reason why other people aren't following Christ is because they're just simply not smart. They're dumb, they're foolish. that simply isn't true. You and I don't wander off into sin because we are dumb or foolish. Your friend or neighbor or spouse, your child isn't living in sin because they are dumb or stupid. It happens because we are sheep. We are sheep. Now you might be wondering, well, okay, pastor, so if sheep aren't Foolish, if they're not dumb, why do they wander off? Why do they seem, why is there a stereotype, why is there this belief that sheep are just, they have, no, they have nothing between their ears, right? Why is that the case? Good question, I'd love to tell you. As I went back to this blog and I was studying and I was looking at what this rancher of sheep talked about, they said this, that there's really kind of just three basic reasons Like, there's nuances to these reasons, but there's three basic reasons why a sheep will wander. The first is this, they are afraid. They sense something that causes fear in them, and so they walk away. They roam away from whatever it is that's causing fear or anxiety inside of them because they're naturally social creatures. They want to stay with the flock. They want to stay with their friends, but there's something in that that situation that's causing them to flee, to walk away. To try to hide. The second thing is this that they are curious about something. Did you know that sheep have almost a 300, like it's like a 340 degree vision? Because they're, the way their eyes are shaped, they have peripheral vision, but they can't see a lot in the front of their nose, like right at the end of their nose, they're kind of blind. This is like right here is like the only spot they really can't see. And so when they see something out ahead of them, they kind of get curious, and so they start to wander over. They don't have great depth perception, and so they have to get close to things when they see something curious. And they're inquisitive, intelligent creatures, and they want to explore things. And so sometimes what happens is they get so caught up and so curious about something that they find themselves away from the flock. They didn't want to wander away from the flock, but they just kind of headed that direction And so now they're separated. Now they're they're in a place where they're lost. They don't know how to get back to where they once were. The third thing, because they are social creatures, sheep will sheep are often lost or wander off because they're following other sheep who are curious
1: or afraid. I want us to just think about that for a moment.
0: Think about the garden. Adam, Eve, right? And Adam and Eve had everything they could ever want. And yet this this serpent comes and begins to tempt Eve, and, and what he says begins to cause her to have some fear that maybe she's missing out on something, that maybe God withheld something from her, that maybe the life she had wasn't as good as she was told it was. So then she became curious she took that, that fruit, and she, she's like, I mean, I'm just kind of curious. Did, is what God said really real? Well, I don't know. Let me check. Takes a bite. And then there's Adam, who loves his wife and wants to, like, be in relationship with her, and he sees her do this thing, and he doesn't see anything happen right away. And so he's like, okay, well, if she did it, maybe it's okay. And so maybe all sheep wander because they're afraid. They wander because they're curious. They wander because others that they trust, others that they are in relationship with, are wandering as well. Let that sink in. And then ask yourself about the time when you were lost, when you were without hope, before you encountered Jesus in a real way. Did one of those reasons apply to you? Is the reason why you were lost because you, you were afraid? You were full of fear? Is the reason why you were lost because you were curious about what was out there and so you just kind of pursued it? Is the the reason why you were lost because you kind of got caught up in the wrong crowd but you wanted relationship and so you followed that crowd? I wonder if one of those reasons applied to maybe someone here today who has yet to come to a saving faith in Jesus. But you can say to yourself, yeah, I'm really afraid right now. And that fear is driving me to do things that I regret. Could it be, friends, as we consider those around us, and I'm talking to those who have been saved, you know that you're a sheep that's been found in Christ. Could it be that your neighbor was exposed to a very unhealthy religious experience when they were young and it caused them to walk away from anything that smelled or looked or sounded anything like religion, or faith?
1: Does that make that neighbor dumb? Foolish? If you knew that was
0: their story, is that what you would think about them? Or would you think, man, maybe I need to create an environment where they feel safe. Maybe my relationship with them will help them understand that Jesus loves them and they can be safe with me because I'm going to try to live out the love of Jesus to them. Is it within reason that your coworker is, is wandering because they're curious about all these different faiths that they've heard about and so they want to check them out and they want to kind of see which option rings most true to them and so they, they try all the different things and you're watching them and you're like, man, they're just so foolish. No, they're not foolish. They're curious. They're curious to find Meaning, they're searching for something that will answer the curiosity of where truth is and where truth lies, because we can say till we're blue in the faith that there is no such thing as absolute truth, but we understand that that is an absolute lie. And so the world without Christ is searching for truth, searching for hope, searching for an answer. They're not foolish for being curious and trying to find the truth wherever they might find it. They are curious, and so what we need to do is to come alongside them and to show them that they can be curious about who God is, that they can actually kind of be curious and they can test and approve and test and know that everything that God has said in his word is true, that he's never not followed through on any promise he's ever made. Is it possible that your child is longing for connection and relationship with, with people. They want to be in a group so they can get along with them so that they're not feeling isolated. And so what happens is that they follow this group, this popular way of living. They get distracted. They get pulled off course. And so they're so hungry for relationship that they would rather be lost with the crowd than be isolated and alone.
1: Does that make your child foolish or dumb? No. What
0: it says is that they're, they're normal and they're seeking relationship, deep connections. They're longing to feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. And so maybe we as the church need to do a good job of creating an environment where there are others who are growing like them who are asking hard questions like them, who are desiring to know the truth like them. That's why I'm so excited. I'm so excited that we, we are, we're going to be starting a youth program for our students because so many of them are critical spaces in their life. And we as a church need to support that mission 100% through our prayer, through our time, through our investment. We need to support creating a space where young people can find answers in the truth. Amen? Friends, if we treat those who are wandering or lost as notorious sinners, as outcasts, outsiders, if we treat them that way and we see them that way, they will forever stay outside. But if we see them as people who have been enticed by their curiosity, driven by their desire to be in a community of like-minded people, of people who are like them, who will challenge them, who give them a safe place to be. If we see them as people who maybe have experienced anxiety and fear and they're running from something, all of a sudden compassion and empathy rises up in us. And our perspective of them changes. And in fact, what we begin to do is we begin to be more like Jesus, who spent all of his time in ministry. And I I would say even beyond his official ministry, Jesus was always creating space at the table for everyone. Everyone. If we think because we've been saved that somehow we are better than those who Jesus is actively looking to save now, Church, we need to repent. We need to turn away from that way of thinking.
1: Fast, quick, in a hurry.
0: Because as long as we are stuck with that way of thinking, we will never be on the mission with Jesus. Because what was his mission? To seek and to save those who are lost. And if this room continues to be filled with people who I believe love Jesus with all their heart, but we have no lost people coming, what are we doing here? What are we doing? We need to create a safe place for those who are searching, for those who are hurting, for those who are broken, for those who are seeking out community. We need to become a safe place for them to experience Jesus. And allow him, because he is the shepherd, allow him to save them. That's his job. Our job is to represent him and to create a place where they can encounter him. You and I know if it wasn't for Jesus, the good shepherd, coming to this earth and to seek and to save those who are lost, we would still be wandering with no hope. We are sheep. There was nothing we could do to save ourselves. Sheep, when they're lost, can't find themselves. Sheep who wander may not want to get lost, but that is often where they find themselves. None of us set out
1: to live in sin. Many of us
0: are simply living out of fear. We're curious about what's out there in the world. Maybe we're just trying to find a place to connect. And the only people that accept us are people who don't love Jesus. Jesus came to seek you out and to save you. Jesus came to seek and to save your neighbor and your coworker and your child and your spouse and even your enemy. He came to seek and to save everyone. All who are lost. In the kingdom parable, Jesus is looking to pull back the veil of, of arrogance and self righteousness that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had toward those who were not like them. We are all sheep. We were all lost and still
1: would be without Jesus.
0: I'm thankful that I'm a sheep. Now that I understand that sheep aren't dumb, I, I'm a little less offended that Jesus calls me one. Right? But I'm glad I'm a sheep, because sheep are really good about being in community with each other, really good about caring for one another. They're really good at listening to their shepherd's voice. Do they sometimes wander? We are imperfect people. We will sometimes wander. Thankfully, we have God's grace. And thankfully, maybe there are other sheep who care about us, that come alongside us and kind of like remind us where, where fellowship is and community is. And they call us back to the family. This morning, my prayer is this, as I invite the worship team to come, is that those of us who've been rescued from our sin and wandering would feel some conviction for for any Pharisee-type attitudes that we have toward those around us who are still lost, but Jesus is still looking to save. And as long as we see others as less than, we will struggle to help them become disciples of Jesus. That was his commission to us. He said, go and make disciples. Go and help people become sheep in this community, in this family. And so if we have an outsider view of them, it's going to be hard for us to help them become disciples of Jesus. And so I want to be the first to raise my hand this morning and say that I have found my heart to be guilty of arrogance in this way. I don't like it. But I'll be the very first to raise my hand and say, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I look at the sin of other people, and I think, oh man, so glad I'm not them, when in reality I am, because I'm a sinner saved by grace, and God wants them to be a sinner saved by grace too, and so I'm raising my hand, and I'm going to ask you to do something really courageous right now. Sometimes pastors will have you bow your head and close your eyes in a moment like this, but I'm gonna ask you, if you recognize that there's a small part of you in your heart where you can say, man, I've kind of had the same attitude, even if it's just a little bit of a Pharisee, where I look at those who are living a life of sin or look at somebody who, who should be living a better life, and I look at them and I go, man, they're just, man, they're sinners. I'm so glad I'm over here. If you've had a feeling like that, raise your hand, just say, hey, Where am I at? Look around the room. This isn't to shame anyone. This is to say, man, this is a struggle that all of us as followers of Jesus will have because the enemy is really good at lying. He is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And so this morning, I want to say a prayer for those of us. We raised our hands. I want to say a quick prayer for us that the Holy Spirit would help us. And so would you... Bow your head and close your eyes this morning as we pray. Holy Spirit, you saw each hand that was raised today, including mine. And I pray that you would soften our hearts, that you would open our eyes, that you would help us to ask the questions of those that we see around us, to have a better understanding of why it is that they are wandering and why it is that they are lost. Maybe it's out of fear. Maybe it's because they're curious about what the world has to offer. Maybe it's because they're just following the people that have been closest to them and it's led them into a life of sin. And so, God, I pray that we would have empathy and compassion, and that our eyes would be like yours, that we would see with your eyes and care with your heart and love with the kind of love that you had which was willing to send its one and only son to die for us. We pray that we would have a sacrificial heart and a desire that we would not be so afraid of what the answer would be if we share uh, the hope and the love of Jesus that somebody might reject us, but that we would care enough to even let them know that they're in a place where where they're going to find more heartache and hurt, and that we have a place in Jesus who can bring hope and healing. God, we pray and we confess right now against any Pharisee-type heart that would look at the outside and say, I am better, I am higher, I am more righteous than someone else, and instead that we would humble ourselves and remember that we are sheep and we were once lost, and it is only by your grace that we are saved. We confess that to you today, Jesus. Change our hearts by the power of your Spirit working in us. Transform us today, my hope is that every week there are those that are with us who are ready to be rescued from a life of wandering. And so I just have this question as we stay in an attitude of prayer, I wonder if there's someone in here, after listening to this message, you are finally willing to admit that you have been wandering and in fact that you are lost, that you finally have a place where you can admit that you need to be rescued. Even as you sense that's the truth, it could be that you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm too lost. Maybe you think that your sins are too great or that you've gone too far for God to find you and forgive you. And in this moment, you need to know that Jesus wants you to know that there is no distance too far or or no sin too great, that his sacrifice on the cross won't reach and cover you. And I already shared earlier what Paul said in Romans chapter three, but let me read a little bit more. Let's start in, in verse 21. This is what it says, but now God has shown his way, shown us the way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for how many? Everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Hear that, friend, no matter who you are, no matter how bad you've messed up, no matter how broken you think your life is, no matter how far you've wandered, it is not too far. Verse 23, for everyone, everybody say everyone, has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. But here's the promise. Here's the hope. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through who? Jesus Christ, when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Friend, if you are ready to be rescued from the dead of your sin and receive new life that lasts for eternity today, if you're ready to be brought into the family of God and become part of the flock of Christ, I I, want to say a prayer with you. And I want you to know, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you think you are, no matter how bad you think your sin is, Jesus came to forgive your sin. If you are ready, will you repeat this very simple prayer after me this morning? Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit. So I can know you, serve you, and follow you the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it all to you. Thank you for new life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you said that prayer for the very first time, you've come to Jesus. You, you've recognized that he has come and wrapped his arms around you as a loving shepherd and is calling you into relationship with him. If you said that for the very first time, you need to know this, that all of heaven is celebrating your choice, that all of heaven is rejoicing over one who was lost and is now found. And so church, I just want us to just take a moment right now. So maybe you'd stand to your feet and you would begin to celebrate the one. I don't know who it is. I don't know where they are, but there's the one that God has saved today. Would you just come and stand and celebrate them this morning? Come on. We celebrate that. And if that's something you've done, I just want to encourage you. We want to help you take your next steps with Jesus. Your next steps, meaning that like, what do I do now? How do I begin to know Jesus more? How do I begin to understand his love for me more? We would love to help you with that. And so if you haven't already, you can grab one of those connection cards or you can scan uh, the program and you can scan that the digital card and you can just let us know, I said yes to Jesus today and that'll, that'll be a sign to us that to reach out and say, hey, let's walk with you as you take your next steps. I'm gonna invite you to come and receive these communion elements as the band leads us in this last bit of worship, as we reflect and we respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us individually and as a, as a body. So come grab these elements as they play hey thanks again for joining us for thrive online this week for more information about our church go to thrivesquim.com and fill out a connection card i hope you have a great rest of your week and we will see you next week either in person or right here on the thrive online podcast